T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Saki. And welcome into the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. No, I am not Steve Zaki. It's Jeff Orlowski, the Polish pipe bomb here, steering the ship today. The Mayor Mitch Ross pressing all the right buttons on the board. Trying to. Yeah, you're doing a great job (laughs) over there, Mitch. We're on the air. It's wonderful. Uh, we got a huge show for you guys today. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Uh, We've got tons of interviews Steve, he's down in uh, Tinley Park, Illinois. He's south of the Cheddar Curtain today uh, at a Bettenhausen. Uh, they're honoring Merle Bettenhausen from the famous Bettenhausen family. Uh, we're going to bring you that interview here in a little bit. Uh, a couple days ago, I sat down with David Reagan, NASCAR superstar. Uh, we're going to bring that to you hopefully this hour. Eddie Lapine, he was joined by Colton Herta. The, uh, he already found victory lane in the IndyCar series, so we have a lot to get to. Dennis Michelson, he's going to join us as well. I'm going to talk uh, with Dennis about Bristol and Richmond that's coming up tonight. Big race tonight in NASCAR. I love Saturday night racing under the lights, and NASCAR is, my, uh, well, Richmond is my favorite track that NASCAR goes to, so I am pumped. I cannot wait. My Saturday night plans are set uh make sure you guys check us out on twitter at sfi 1250 at sfi 1250 on facebook uh steve does a phenomenal job on both sites uh keeping everything up to date and uh you get all the latest like the newest stuff in racing uh the newest stories and and then old time pictures and everything. It's he does a phenomenal job on Facebook. You, if you look up TFI, the Final Inspection Motorsports Show, you will find us there as well. Make sure uh, to like those pages and uh, get all your latest racing news. So had uh, Bristol last week, and uh, I thought it was entertaining. You know, there were, uh, it was a little shocking to see how many empty seats there were. And I know that was a big story uh, this week. Me and Steve sat down yesterday and uh, discussed a lot about uh, Bristol. And you'll hear that coming up in the next segment. Uh, We talk about the empty seats. They didn't sell any seats in the turns at Bristol at all. And if you watched it at TV, it was very obvious uh, that they were racing to a uh, less than packed house, shall we say. So uh, we'll talk about, you know, the latest in NASCAR and uh, concerns and, you know, where the state of NASCAR is right now. So we're going to bring that to you here very shortly. But uh, it wasn't a good look on TV. And if you watched the race uh, last week, I'm sure you thought the same thing. You know, uh, as I told Steve, you know, NASCAR is not going away. NASCAR is not going to fold. NASCAR is not going to disappear or anything like that. But there will be some major changes coming up in NASCAR, especially once they sign the new TV contract, because they are not going to get nearly the amount of money that they got on this last contract. So uh, we dive in with that uh, pretty pretty deep. So you'll hear that here in the next segment. But uh, we want to thank Great Lakes Dragaway, uh, one of our fine sponsors here, Roy Henning, and uh, and all the guys down at Great Lakes just do a phenomenal job. 
Go to GreatLakesDragway.com. You can pick up your 2019 season passes. It is one heck of a value, and it's fun, not only just for you. Uh, you know, the wife will have a good time. The kids, it's affordable. The entertainment is phenomenal, and the food is out of this world. Pick up your 2019 season passes for Great Lakes Dragway now. We're also brought to you by the great folks at David Hobbs Honda on Port Washington Road in Glendale. And uh, huge sales always going on over at David Hobbs Honda. They take care of you. They are a dealer for the people, and they mean it. So get down to uh, David Hobbs Honda. Go buy a new car, whether it's a Honda or they've got tons of used cars, whatever you're looking for, David Hobbs Honda is the place to be. So we're going to take a quick break right here, and then uh, you're going to hear me and Steve talk all about Bristol and about some of the current problems facing NASCAR. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway, along with David Hobbs Honda, Steve Zotke, along with Jeff Orlowski, talking about something that, well, we got to talk about. It's the elephant in the room. It was the attendance at Bristol on Sunday, Jeff. Were you shocked as much as I was at just how many people that were there? Yeah, or how many people weren't there. You know, the fact that it's Bristol and they don't even sell tickets in the turns and they just had them on the straightaways and there were still empty pockets on the front and the back stretch. There is a, I posted this on the Facebook's, uh, the TFI, the final inspection page. There's an aerial shot, which, you know, okay, that's, that's I've, I've, I've been on both sides of the, uh, of, of, of the gate here on the, you know, on the racetrack side and then media side and the fan side. And there's ways to get around that. One, sh- one way to make a look place to look, to have a place look full is you get a low angle shot. So all you see are their heads. You can't see the gaps. That's right. one thing. And you, you know, there's way, there's ways to shoot around that or you take a shot. And I've seen NASCAR do this where you get a bunch of people that are sitting in kind of one area, maybe a family or something. And you shoot those 30 people. And we know, hey, the place is packed. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, so and I what 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 shocked me was the the overhead shot was how many, I mean, even those place even the open sections of the stands how empty they were. Now we just heard a thing, uh, with our our buddy, uh, Larry Mc Larry Mac uh, Larry McReynolds. He was saying, oh, there was probably sixty thousand people. No, well, maybe if you count. Everybody is working there. The pit crew guys, the drivers, the media that's ever shrinking. The cops outside. The cops outside. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could come up with 50. Yeah. But I I heard like about 40,000. And it is absolutely shocking because that was a really hard ticket to get. And there was a, somebody else posted a shot of 2010, I think it was, in 2019. And it was shocking. Uh, what and what is going on? Clint Boyer, uh, I you know I mentioned this to Susan, my wife, on Sunday. I said, "Well, they really killed the golden goose," because I told her about how they were always gouging uh, for hotel and motel tickets for Bristol back in the day. How it was a three-day uh, minimum stay, then some of them were going to four days and five days. And and how you know there was a lot of families that that was their family vacation. We're going to go to Talladega. We're going to go to Bristol. Some some families that I knew would would pick a new track every year because I mean if you kind of live in the Midwest, it's 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 not you could drive to you know Bristol. You could do Michigan, Indianapolis. You could even get up to Chicagoland. You could Kansas. do Kansas. You know, so there's quite a few tracks you could go to, even Martinsville and, and Richmond. That's this weekend. So, and and it was getting to the point where they kept on gouging and gouging and gouging, and the fans started to go away. Well, Clint Boyer was checking on a few hotels on Monday, 
and they were they were still gouging people three hundred bucks a night, which yeah. I'm shocked at. For a, you know, a, probably a seventy-five, eighty-dollar hotel I room. I know those hotels were they were not at maximum capacity. Right. Yeah, I know it. Uh, you know, but they've been doing it for years, Steve. It's been going on forever. You know, I remember when uh, when Chicago Land first opened. Me and the wife went there, and uh, you know, we knew we were going to be tailgating all day and everything like that. So it was about with traffic, you know close to 45 minutes from the house and uh so we got a hotel because we didn't want to we didn't want to drive half blind uh that far and uh you know we got gouged like crazy it was a garbage red roof inn for like 195 dollars a night three night minimum all this kind of stuff it was it was completely nuts and uh you know it, it obviously is still going on and um you know, NASCAR is paying the price, but, you know, I can't just blame it just on the hotel rooms because, like I said, it's been going on forever. Well, the, here's a, here, and, and if you go on social media, and I understand social media, especially tw- on the Twitter side, it's nothing more than a beep fest of people throwing you-know-what at each other. All negative. But uh, there's there's a, I saw a couple posts on Facebook. I thought that was pretty interesting. And you could tell these are guys that were – these are the guys that I, I wanted to see – the guys who were going to the races as a fan who aren't anymore. And uh, this is a Mark Kunzel who wrote, NASCAR and the tracks share as much, if not more, blame than the hotels. Back in the 70s through the 90s, it was a sport of the common man. People drove in and camped. I myself camped for free at several tracks right outside the infield. Then the tracks started to charge to pitch a tent. Tracks added seats, raised prices, pushed PSLs to permanent seat license, NASCAR decided somewhere along the line to go Hollywood and to raise the image of the sport from its roots. NASCAR changed the rules to bunch the field. They worked to to make the teams more humongous. Every step along the way, NASCAR and the tracks distanced themselves from the common man base. They pushed their loyal bla- bra- they pushed their loyal base away and embraced a more fickle base. This is every bit the reason of the decline is the cost of the hotel of, of the hotels. This is interesting. Sadly, I don't see any of this changing anytime soon. NASCAR lost its way and keeps moving further away from its loyal base. And the one thing I saw most of all, and I thought this was kind of surpri- not really surprising, but changing of the rules. Everybody kept going back to that. And and when I I I guess when you see you know and and there's always rules in sports changing the sports whether for safety or whatnot and we've seen this but it's gotten to the point and I mentioned this about you watch a race go to YouTube and watch an NASCAR race from 1990 2005 and then watch one now the one thing you'll notice more is all the the, the little pit stop violations, all they talk about. Pit stop violation, pit stop violation, speeding down pit lane, doing this. You never heard about that. It was all about the pit crew guys who got their guy in and out the quickest. It wasn't about, oh, oh you know, Joe Schmo going to have to do a drive through. Oh, this guy has to go through, you know. And it was all, all you hear, rules, rules, rules. We got this guy, well, Kevin Harvick, yeah, to start, you know, he, failed a yeah, pre-race this inspection guy is banned and from the track. This guy and they they've painted themselves in such a corner now that people talk about they're not talking about the racing on the track anymore. I know they changed a lot of these rules because with the old point system, there were times when the last three races of the year just did not matter, and uh, you know you knew who was going to win the championship. And so somebody who deserved it, of course, but you know, they're trying to build the excitement to make sure that the finale actually meant something. Now, the way that they do it now, where you've got four guys and whoever finishes the best of the four is the champion, I think is ridiculous. Uh, I understand that they want to make the last race of the year mean something. The first race of the year is their Super Bowl, So you don't want to have a meaningless uh, last race either, but The schedule is way too long. NASCAR cannot compete with the NFL, even at NASCAR's high point. Uh, 
You don't want to go head-to-head with the NFL. So they need to figure out a way to scale uh, at least a month, you know, off of the end of the season. See, I kind of disagree with that to a point because for years NASCAR did. And the problem, I think, what NASCAR has, it's trying to be the NFL. The NASCAR, at its height, was for the people. Not everybody watches NFL games. You know, we work at a sports radio station. Of course, everybody watches the NFL because all of us are sports guys. But the sports people are not that big of a group. More people, you know, are in the pop culture. There's more people we could do. We could do a podcast on NASCAR. We could do a podcast on the NFL. We could do a, a podcast on pop culture and the Kardashians. I hate to say it, pop culture and the Kardashians, we're going to get more hits. Right, but the people that are watching the Kardashians are not the people who are flipping on NASCAR right. on but, uh, Sunday saying, over though, the NFL. Is, is NASCAR got itself in this trouble by trying to be the NFL as as opposed to being a alternate to the NFL. Stop being something that you're not. I've said this over and over with the NHL. Why is the NHL successful? They know what they are. They know who their fans are, and they just go ahead doing their work. And you know what? They're doing a really good job of it. Mm-hmm. I, you they know, are. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people who, like me, watched Stanley Cup last year. I'm not a big hockey fan. I enjoy watching it, but my life, you can only watch so many sports and remained married. So, <laughs> you know, I, but you know what? Susan and I enjoyed watching, you know, four or five hockey games during the year. We're not going to watch 30 of them, but, you know, it was good. I enjoyed it. And, and especially since high def, the best thing that ever happened to hockey is HD. Right. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, it's just frustrating that you just, you know, I, there's so many fans that just want to go into Daytona and just say, we don't care. Just, it's about the racing. We don't care about stages. We don't care. Stop trying to be the NFL. Stop having looking at lines and instant replay. Oh, see that guy? He His fingers were on pit road. That's a penalty. NASCAR fans don't want to see that. Yeah, they I want agree. to see a, a penalty is a guy, okay, you go over your line maybe and the crew doesn't tell him. That's a little more, you know, that okay, they can understand that. They have a hard time wrapping their heads around why their favorite driver has to go do a drive through because some guy who wasn't really even involved in the pit stop kind of lost his balance and touched the pit road. That is not where NASCAR needs to be. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's too ticky-tack. The rule book has gotten way too confusing. It's too long. And uh, there's, you know, there's too many penalties. Uh, you know, I st- I hate the freezing the field. I wish they would race back to the line. I hate the pit road speeding uh, speed limit. I wish, you know, it, it worked for years with no speed limit. Bring it back. But all the people, and I hate them. However, you can't sit there and say, oh, NASCAR needs to get back to its roots, more short tracks, and then look at Bristol and no one shows up and have a valid argument that there should be 10 more uh, short track races instead of the mile and a half cookie cutters. You got a good point there, but I think that's just unfortunately where NASCAR is right now. NASCAR is in trouble, and we knew it kind of was in trouble, and you, I think Sunday was like, Wow, they are really in trouble. I mean, that was one of their safe havens. Texas was one of their safe havens. Larry McReynolds is trying to say, well, it wasn't too bad. No. You talk to Eddie Gossage off the record, he is freaking out because they're now they're not coming to the NASCAR races. And it, it, it's, it's getting to a point where when this TV contract runs out, this sport is in a lot of trouble. And that's why I say you're going to see a lot of changes coming up in the next couple of years because – that there's just not the money. They're spending money they don't have, and that's why you're seeing Roger Penske. When Roger Penske speaks, like you said a few weeks ago, saying we need to move the different cars, we need to make these updates, that's his – he doesn't say a lot. Roger is kind of behind the scenes. He's he's Mr., but he, when, he, when he sees something, he's like, yeah, these guys got to get their crap together. He talks like that. He says – he's telling that NASCAR, you need to make this, or you're going to see – I mean – Right now, what's the what's the one thing that 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 NASCAR is missing is is this, there's no there's 
unless you have a checkbook, there's no way to be a NASCAR driver. Right, and that's part of the problem. Uh, you know, NASCAR is in trouble now. NASCAR is not in big trouble until they sign this new TV contract that's going to completely chop their legs out from under them because then the purses get smaller. The cost of racing is still going up, uh, no matter how many of these stupid uh, universal pit guns and all this other crap they come up with mm -hmm. to quote-unquote save money. The price, you know, with all the aero and everything that goes into all these uh, cars now, the price of racing is going up. The purses are going to get smaller. You're going to get more veteran drivers who are like, well, screw this. I'm making, you know, you want me to race and do the same thing that I've been doing for 80% of my check? No, I'm done. You know, because these guys have all made enough money to live and live comfortably for about four or five lifetimes. You know, the veterans, Jimmy right. Johnson, Kevin Harvick, those guys. Uh, so, you know. And that lifestyle, and they, and they, that has put them in a lifestyle where, you know what? These guys, these guys, they don't live like us. <laughs> no, they got private planes. They're going and, to Europe. And then, you know what? The wife is saying, eh, you know, uh, why am I sitting here in a camper if you're not making the money to make us, you know, let us do these other things? You know, and it's, it's, it'll be, it's going to be really, really interesting. And uh, it, it's just, well, go on. I'm sorry. I stepped on what you're saying. Well, no, all I'm saying is that NASCAR is not going away. NASCAR is not going to fold. It's no, not going to go under. Different. It is going to be a lot different, which is good. Maybe it'll be the slap in the face that NASCAR needs. But if you think it's bad now, just wait. Yeah, Because it's going to get a lot worse before it starts getting any better. Look at the sponsors on the cars nowadays. There's not that many. Well, and the ones you hear, you're like, ooh, I never heard of that company. Oh, I know. And these are companies that are like, well, you mean I can put my name on a cup car for how much? Oh, okay, I'll do it for a couple of races. Mm -hmm. Because people are shocked at how cheap it is. Well, you know, when you got the Truck Series ch uh, champion who can't sit there and, and get a ride because he doesn't have sponsorship the following year, that's a problem. When you got Jimmy Johnson who loses lows. That's a problem. Supposedly, there are only two drivers in the truck series who didn't write a check. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very unfortunate, it's a scary situation. But like I said, you know, uh, we're not saying this because we hate the sport. Not at that. all. It's because we know where it was, and it's very frustrating to see where it's happening. So mm -hmm. we're going to talk more happier things coming up next in the final inspection show. Brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure to check out GreatLakesDragway.com and get your 2019 season pass at GreatLakesDragway.com. And also David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check out DavidHobbs.com for all the best in new and used vehicles at DavidHobbs.com. Final inspection. Final inspection. Now, Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan, Jeff Orlowski, the Polish pipe bomb, sitting in for Steve Zaki today. Steve, you know, he's being wined and dined nationwide like always. He leads the life that we all wish we could. Lifestyles of the rich and famous, Jeff. Yeah, you got it. I'm I'm neither, but uh, eventually one day. Oh, I beg to differ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, the star of D-Mike Media, Mr. Dennis Michelson. Dennis, how you doing today? I am doing fantastic, and, uh, you know, I got it from good authority that Z-Man is out on some yacht in Long Beach right now and uh, is, is probably right about now having his first course of Lobster Newburgh. Yeah, yeah, that I think we have the same sources because I uh, I heard exactly the same thing. What uh what a life. What a life. While yeah. uh we're stuck here and uh you know, not eating lobster, eating fast food takeout. But uh such is life, Dennis, such is life. 
There you go. So, Bristol, what were your uh, takeaways from Bristol, Dennis? Well, I actually thought it was a very entertaining race, but I also came to a very startling conclusion this weekend that the fans that buy tickets at Bristol Motor Speedway do not buy tickets to see great racing because that race was great. And I have never been so embarrassed by a crowd at Bristol Motor Speedway. I'm usually not one of those, oh, look at how many empty seats there are kind of guys because there's empty seats at every sporting event. Heck, there were empty seats in the NCAA tournament games. Yep. But the glaring, glaring lack of fans at, uh, at the race at Bristol tells you that you're doing something wrong um, as a sport. And one of the things that they're doing wrong is these cars are way too sensitive to contact. We saw it again at Bristol where just the least little rubbing and bumping and guys were having tire problems because the wheel wells are not, you know, big enough on these cars like they used to be on the stock cars that made Bristol famous when there was a lot of beating and banging. So, you know, I, I think it is sort of, it was a great race. Don't get me wrong. I love the new Bristol. The only problem is it's built in place of the old Bristol, which the fans used to love. Yeah, and I agree with you on uh, these cars not being able to take the same pounding like they used to. You know, one of my favorite finishes in all of NASCAR history is that duel between Ricky Craven and Kurt Busch. You know, where the last two laps, they're just, you know, door slamming each other left and right. And you would not get that finish in today's NASCAR at all because the first or second time they made contact, somebody or both of them would have popped a tire. Yeah, it's it's absolutely impossible to make any contact because the splitter sticks out, that takes out tires. The, the wheel wells are so tight on the frames of these cars. And aero is so important, even at the shorter tracks, which is the most bizarre thing. And if you don't think aero is important, that's why they were able to set a new track record for the Cup Series out of Bristol Motor Speedway last week because Arrow, the amount of downforce that they had through the corners, they could go so fast through those corners. That's great for racing as far as if you were building a track from scratch, but that's not why you had to build 168,000 seats at Bristol Motor Speedway. When was the last time you remember a really good post-race event and fight and scuffle or a guy throwing a helmet at Bristol Motor Speedway? It predates the change of this track configuration. So, you know, and predates the, the, the car tomorrow as well. You know, it's great racing, but... It's Formula One with fenders now. There's too much technology in stock car racing. And and that was my wake-up call this weekend. That That's not why the fans like stock car racing. I'm a big technology guy. I love to see all the technology in IndyCar and Formula One. But the redneck in me loves short track racing and stock car racing because it is lower tech. And it's it's supposed to be. But now you got more team engineers and computer whizzes looking at data than you do mechanics. And that's getting away from the stock car racing that the older fans fell in love with. Yeah, I agree with you a million percent, Dennis. You know, I can't remember any time ever in my lifetime hearing a fan saying, oh, yeah, I wish they had more. Uh, the cars were more dependent on aero. No one yeah. ever says that. What the fans want is passing, battles for the lead, and being able to bump and bang. They want rivalries. They want heated emotion, like true emotion, out of these guys. They don't care what a car looks like on in the wind tunnel. They want to see it on the track. Yeah, and, and you know, you look at all the classic races in NASCAR history, and most of those finishes wouldn't be possible with today's car. 
I mean, I date all the way back to the very first running of the Daytona 500, and the two guys that got into the big collision that caused the big fight uh, at the end of, of the very first fully televised Daytona 500, those guys would have been out of the race because earlier in the race they spun into the grass. They do that with today's car, and the front splitter tears the whole front end off the car, and they're done for the day. Yeah. You know, stock car racing is supposed to be old-fashioned old technology. It's, it wasn't supposed to be, you know, the end-all and be-all. Be That's why you have Formula One. That's why you have Formula One cars that are so technologically advanced, so fully dependent on the aero, that if they could ever figure out a way to start a race upside down, these cars could race upside down. I mean, that's the bizarre thing about how much downforce there is in a Formula One car. Nobody tunes in stock car racing to see aero-dependent race cars. They want to see guys leaning on each other. Look at all the famous drivers from the past. They all leaned on the competition to win. And, and that's what we're missing along with the personalities because nowadays, you know, Guys couldn't act like Earnhardt or Cale Yarbrough. They'd be out of a sponsorship overnight. Um, so a lot of the, the things that NASCAR can do are unfortunately out of their control because of the way things have changed nowadays and kind of all got softer as a society. But the things that they can change, the, the era, the, the dependency on downforce, you know, that's where they really are missing the boat. It's, tried some new combinations at the all-star race, and I kind of begged them, just take off the splitter, take off the side skirts, open up the engines, give these guys back the power, take away the downforce, and try it at the all-star race and see if it gives you better racing like we used to get back in the day at Charlotte. If it doesn't work, you're just out an all-star race, and the cars will be cheaper to make for these guys anyway, so they're not going to fight you on that for this one race thing and do a test. But, you know, if Bristol didn't wake us all up that there's a problem in the sport right now, I don't think anything ever will. And, and yeah, it, it could be worse, man. We're, we're still talking about NASCAR being the 600-pound gorilla. They're the most popular race type of racing that's out there. They run laps around IndyCar as far as ratings and fans and, and everything like that. But it does show you when you only have about a fourth of the seats filled at a stadium, I don't care how many seats you built, you built them because of a reason, because you were selling them at one time. If you were half full at Bristol Motor Speedway, it wouldn't even be a big deal because 80,000 people is still more than you get for all the big events, including the Super Bowl and the NCAA Final Four and everything. You know, a few football games at the big house in Michigan are the only things that you'd be out, you know, outdrawn by for the year. But when it's 40 or 45,000 and you used to sell 168,000 seats, when you used to make commercials about divorce cases and getting your Bristol tickets in a divorce battle, and it used to be legit because you had fifteen to 20,000 people on a waiting list for tickets, and you were sold out every year. And now you're able to close two grandstands and still see a lot of empty seats on both the front and the back stretch. That's a wake-up call. You've got to listen to the fans because they didn't like what they saw, even though the racing was great. So that, that kind of tells me that you're doing something wrong. And, yes, the local area has been a culprit here, too, of just killing Bristol. His hotel rooms in Johnson City, just a few miles away, going for 350 a night, three-night minimum. You know, it's, they've cut their own throat in certain ways. But that still doesn't explain why there were so few fans at the stands. Plus, there were very few RVs out at the old uh, the, the, the old. Uh, uh, place on the hill there, uh, the old campground on the hill uh, between the track and the drag strip. There were a lot of empty spots. That's something new here just in the last five years. Yeah, I agree. One of the things that uh, that I took away from last week was, uh, you know, a couple years ago it was a big push uh, from NASCAR fans that they wanted more road courses. 
Uh, lately, we've been hearing more short tracks, more short tracks, more short tracks, and then no one shows up to freaking Bristol. It you know it just shows that uh, the people that are all over Twitter saying all this stuff do not back up what they say. So NASCAR goes to Richmond tonight, uh, my personal favorite track on the NASCAR schedule. What uh, what are you looking for out of the race tonight, Dennis? Oh, it should be a fantastic race. If last night's Xfinity race is any kind of a teaser, um, we should have just a barn burner tonight. Richmond is the most perfect track because it is a short track. You get that short track, you know, urgency of making the pass and keeping your track position. But it's also a mini speedway because there are many grooves that you can take around this track. And on restarts especially, I wouldn't be shocked at one point if we try to see them four wide going into the corner. Of course, they will lot them all up uh, trying to come out of that corner. But I wouldn't be surprised to see three or even four wide on a restart as guys just go absolutely crazy late in the race. This should be a fantastic race. It always, always is. Yeah, I agree. And hopefully we get some tempers flaring. Uh, we're talking to Dennis Michelson, the star President and CEO of D Mike Media. Uh, Dennis, who's your pick for the race tonight? Well, I had taken Joey Lugano earlier in the week over at my frontstretch.com article, uh, my odds and ends that appears every Thursday morning. But I'm going to make a little bit of an audible here uh, because of qualifying. I liked what I saw with Kevin Harvick. He's hungry after that pre-race penalty at Bristol cost him. He had the fastest car by far at Bristol Motor Speedway, but was fighting from behind because of those pre-race penalties. I like Kevin Hurick's chance to go into victory lane tonight. All right. I just talked to uh, to Steve Zaki. You know, I guess he got cell reception on that yacht that he's on. Uh, he's going to go with Joey Logano, so he stole your pick from earlier in the week, so you can kick him in the knee next time you see him for doing that. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with the outlaw, Mr. Kurt Busch. I think uh, he uh, he finds victory lane tonight. Uh, what's the latest over at D-Mike Media, Dennis? Well, we've added a new podcast called Showtime, which is a uh, uh, basketball podcast covering the indie show of the Midwest Basketball League. Very exciting uh, schedule for those guys, and we'll be uh, – taking you with an inside look at the semi-pro basketball team that helps room players and uh, and staff uh, for going up uh, to the uh, to the minor league uh, basketball leagues and eventually to the NBA and overseas. So uh, check out Showtime. And, of course, with my voice finally returning to almost normal, uh, we'll have another edition of our Wildfire Fever podcast for Ultimate Frisbee fans. And also our all of our racing podcasts will return next week as well. So lots of good coverage coming up uh, on uh, dmikemedia.com. Fantastic. Dennis, thank you so much for a few minutes. I appreciate it. Enjoy the race tonight, buddy. All right, Mr. O. We'll talk to you soon. All right. That was Dennis Michelson. He joined us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935. All right. Going to take a quick break here. And when we return, David Reagan, NASCAR superstar. I sat down with him earlier this week. We'll play that interview for you next. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan, Jeff Orlowski, the Polish pipe bomb here. And it's my pleasure to welcome in the driver of the number 38 Front Row Motorsports Ford, Mr. David Reagan. David, how are you today? We're doing great. How are you guys doing? Oh, fantastic. Uh, you got a scored a 21, uh, 21st place finish at Bristol. 
How uh, how would you grade your day? Well, our car was pretty solid. I felt like we had a top 15 uh, place car. We were running 16th, I think, on the lead lap. I cut a tire about lap 350 and had to pit under green, and we lost three laps. That certainly uh, took a little bit of the wind out of our sail. We were able to get one of those laps back and, and finish two laps down. But, uh, you know, probably a B or B minus. Uh, Bristol has been a pretty good track to us in the past. Uh, I really enjoy Bristol. I love all the short tracks uh, during the schedule. But uh, Bristol is a special place, and we had a, a solid car. I thought the race was great overall. Uh, we could have been a little bit better uh, in qualifying, a little bit better at the start of the race. But, uh, you know, 21st place, it could have been a lot worse. I felt like after we cut that tire and hit the wall, I'm fortunate that uh, nothing else broke or we didn't have any other issues that prevented us from finishing the race. That would have certainly been a bummer. But uh, all in all, we got out of there. We learned a few things that will help us for Richmond, and we'll move on to the next one. Yeah, that's uh... – I love, I'm with you. I love the short tracks. Richmond, Richmond's my favorite. And, uh, so I can't wait for, uh, for the race, uh, Saturday night. And, um, you know, it's funny that you say that you, you like the short tracks cause you know, you, the, the two wins you've got in the cup series, both came on, uh, restrictor plate super speedways, uh, you know, back in 2011, obviously at Daytona in, uh, the Coke zero 400 and, uh, in 2013 over at Talladega, so it's funny that you say that you like the uh, the short tracks when your best finishes are at the restrictor plate tracks. Yeah, you know, that's the way things have worked out. I feel like I've been close to winning some short track races. I've got three or four top fives at Richmond and had a shot to win a couple of those. But, uh, yeah, that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. I do enjoy the speedway racing, but it's certainly got a level of, of anxiety and, and unknown it makes it a mentally a tough race, but uh, short track racing like we have this weekend in Richmond on a Saturday night, it's uh, it, it's fun. It, the cars look great under the lights, and it kind of brings me back to my short track roots where you go to your local short track and you get ready to go race on a Saturday night. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's go back to the beginning. Uh, your, your father, Ken Reagan, he drove NASCAR uh, back in the 80s. Now... You know, there's kind of two schools of thought when it comes to uh, fathers wanting their kids to do what they do. It's either they're very supportive and, oh, yeah, it's a great idea. I'd love for you to be a race car driver or, oh, no, I sure as hell hope you don't. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's go back to the beginning. Uh, your your father, Ken Reagan, he drove NASCAR uh, back in the 80s. Now, you know, there's kind of two schools of thought when it comes to uh fathers wanting their kids to do what they do it's either they're very supportive and oh yeah it's a great idea i'd love for you to be a race car driver or oh no i sure as hell hope you don't get in the seat and go down the same path uh, i went how supportive was your dad early on in your career oh he was very supportive obviously our sport you know changed a lot during the the 80s and early 90s 2000s it grew into a multi-billion dollar industry where we have fans all over the world and we had a lot of safety initiatives coming on board after the death of Dale Earnhardt that made our cars really, really safe. And it was something that, uh, yeah, he, he encouraged me to do. He knew that it was going to be hard and a challenge. And, you know, it's not going to work out for everybody. Uh, being a professional uh, uh, athlete in, in anything, it's, uh, the, the numbers aren't in your favor. You've got a lot of kids uh, that can drive race cars, thousands of them that have the skill set to drive but there's only 40 seats uh, every sunday or saturday night so it's uh the, the numbers aren't fair but yeah i had some good opportunities out of high school i chased him i was able to to race and race for some good teams and win some races and one thing led to another so it's been a great run a lot of fun over my career but it is something that uh, i wouldn't have been able to do without my mom and dad and family support yeah, that's fantastic. Now, you raced uh, the ARCA Series as a Roush development driver. You actually won a pole here in Milwaukee as well. How did that help your career early on? Yeah, well, that was at a pivotal point in my career. That was back in 2005. I remember that. We had just won a few weeks before, and uh, to, we showed up at Milwaukee. We were still fast. We sat on the pole. We led laps, and ended up we had an engine problem but uh you know that string of races that summer uh, allowed me to to start at roush Fenway racing the next year in 2006 so 
uh, that that was a fun time in, in my career. I've been able to race at a lot of great racetracks uh, around the country, and those were a lot of fun uh, working with some different teams and different crew guys, and we were having a lot of fun going racing. But, yeah, some real fond memories of uh, Milwaukee Mile in the truck, uh, in the Xfinity car, in the Bush Series back in the day, and even some late model races over the years. So definitely uh, a lot of fun coming to Milwaukee over the years. All right. Well, now the softball questions are over here. Uh, when you took over, uh, you know, you took over for Mark Martin and uh, the number six, uh, Fen- Roush Fenway Ford, and you had a ton of great finishes, and then you were kind of the super sub uh, filling in for an injured uh, uh, Kyle Bush, and then over at, at Waltrip Racing, and you had some fantastic finishes. How come you haven't gotten another shot at one of the top-funded teams? Yeah, I think what we just talked about earlier with, you know, the the numbers, uh, you've only got, you know, 12, 14 to 16, uh, maybe 17, 18 of those really solid, you know, top-funded teams that are racing for championships and wins every year. And, and the numbers just, just aren't, aren't there. You've got a lot of good drivers in our sport that could be in one of those seats, but there's just not that many of them. And you've got guys like Kevin Harvick and Jimmy Johnson and then up until a year or so ago, you know, Dale Jr. and Gordon and uh, Matt Kenseth and Biffle and some of those guys were still at the, the peak of their career, and they weren't leaving those seats. And then you have young kids that are 10 years younger than I am, maybe 12 or 13 years younger. Those are the, the young guys that have a lot of talent, and the team owners are going to invest their future in a in a 20-year-old, you know, not a 33- or 34-year-old. And, and so – uh, I, I was in those shoes uh, of the young kids 12 or 13 years ago when I was 19 years old going to replace Mark Martin in the six car. So I feel like that, you know, I've kind of come in full circle. I feel like I'm uh, able to go out and win races and, and do uh, great things in the right situation. But sometimes the seats and, and the opportunities aren't available, and certainly sponsorship plays a big role. You've got to have the, the sponsorship uh, at the right time when that seat opens to get that opportunity. So it's one of those things you never know what another season or another year may bring, uh, but that that's the, the way that the world revolves in, in any sport. Yeah, very well said. Uh, that leads me into my next question. What what do you consider a successful race? Is it having like a 20th place car and finishing 15th, or is it, you know, finishing ahead of Kyle Busch or Kevin Harvick or one of the, you know, drivers with the quote-unquote highly funded teams you know, on a week-in, week-out basis, what you know, what is success to you? Yeah, it, it just depends on the track and, and certainly the year that you're in. Obviously, when you're on one of the top teams, you're expected to win. And if you don't win some races during the year, you, you haven't uh, done a good job. And I think for our team, yeah, top 15s and top 20s are our goals every week. And if we can qualify and race in the top 20, uh, finish in the top 10 or 15 on occasion, have a shot to win a few races here and there, that those are realistic expectations. But generally speaking, if you have a 10th place car, you need to finish uh, in the top 10. If you have a 25th place car, you need to finish in the top 25. Uh, anytime you can uh, exceed what your car is running that day, I think that's a good day because you're, you're never going to have perfect cars uh, every single race throughout the year. Sometimes you're going to make bad decisions on setup. Sometimes you're going to have you know, pit stop problems and different mistakes throughout the race. So that that's part of racing, and you've got to overcome some of those uh, issues like that. But but generally, if you have a 10th a or 15th place car, you need to finish in the top 10 or 15, and that's something that it did take me a little while to learn that early in my career. I just thought you drive as hard as you can. You're supposed to win every race, and sometimes that, that's just not, not in the cards that day, and you generally get yourself in trouble. Uh, when you start driving that hard. All right, listen to the final inspection show. Got David Reagan, driver of the number 38 Front Row Motorsports Ford on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Okay, so the hard questions are over. Uh, so what's in your driveway or your garage right now? Oh, I've got a, a Harley-Davidson motorcycle, which you guys would, would like to hear that. Oh, uh, yeah. I do uh, a little bit of riding around. I ride some on the Kyle Petty charity ride, which is uh, – you know, a fun ride that raises a lot of money for the uh, Victory Junction Gang Camp down here in North Carolina. My wife's got a minivan, and I've got a Ford F-150. So we're a pretty uh, normal American family. I do have some older cars and odd and end stuff uh, 
at my office and shop uh, here in North Carolina. But we're pretty simple here in our garage at our house. All right, nothing crazy, huh? Yeah, I've got uh, I've got a new uh, GT40 on the way. The Ford uh, GT, you know, a neat car to, to have in my collection. But I won't keep it here at the house. The girls will probably ride their bicycles into it. So I have all that <laughs> stuff over at my office. Oh, that's fantastic. Last question here for you, David. What uh, What are you listening to lately? You know, for me, I, I'm your your boring uh, uh, thirty two year old that uh, that that's like a sixty year old. I listen to talk radio. And, and podcasts uh, all the time. So, you know, my girls are watching. I've got two young girls. They're watching Disney shows and different stuff when I'm riding with my wife or we're with the family. But when I'm by myself, 95% of the time, I listen to AM radio, different talk shows during the day, and I listen to a few different podcasts when, when I'm cruising. So, you know, the, the music over the years and, and working in race shops, you always listen to classic rock and, and, and some country stations. But uh, I, I don't listen to much music anymore. All right. Well, I want to thank you for uh, for a few minutes of your time. I know you're busy, and uh, we wish you all the best of luck this weekend uh, at Richmond and then obviously the entire season as well. So go out there and get the checkered flag, David. Yeah, tune in tonight. It's going to be a good show in Richmond. Y'all have fun. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Thank you so much. That was David Reagan. He joined us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. We'll be back with more of the final inspection show right here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The Fan brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove and David Hobbs Honda. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.